Trade Talk, powered by Travis Perkins. Hello and welcome to Trade Talk. This is a podcast for anybody who is in the trade or thinking about joining the trade. It's full of great tips and subjects that you might find helpful or even relatable as well. Joining me today is Carl and Jake. Gentlemen, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, Sally. Yeah, my name is Carl Conway. I'm a builder, KLC Builders in South Manchester. Hi, Sally. I'm Jake Keenan and I'm from Travis Perkins, branch manager. And my name is Sally Wallace and I am the wife of a tradesman for 15 years now. And I say that with a huge smile on my face. Yes, we're still awaiting a renovation. Right. So one topic which I think is so important about people who are in the trade is getting tools, getting tools and getting set up. And it's not also not not just getting set up, but it's also constantly staying on top of your tools. And it can be a huge expense as well. I know that, Carl, you obviously you started from scratch as a self-employed builder. Mm-hmm. So did you have anybody that helped? you get that arsenal of tools ready together? No, no. Um, we seem to just collect as you go. Uh, if you're a general builder, which seems to think that you do a bit of everything from the groundwork to the roof, then you have a lot of tools. If you're, say, a plasterer uh, as a trade on its own, you've kind of a certain amount of tools and they do you. But there's always something on a building that you need, whether you have to hire it or whether you have to buy it. Yeah, there could be grants. I'm not too sure of that to help you as new starters, new businesses. This is going to sound a bit personal. I hope you don't mind me going down there. No, no. Did you did you take a loan out to get yourself started? How did you, or did you literally just buy as you went? So it just, because obviously when you're starting out, mm. you know, you've not got any capital really, no. unless you're getting like a bundle from a parent or like you say, or a grant. Yeah. But it is one of those things where you just have to keep buying as you go to, to keep yeah, the collection correct. going. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's a, it's a gradually just do it, do as you go. Um, if you've got someone that's teaching you and you go into a building firm, they usually back you up with your tools that you need for you to do the trade. And then slowly, whether you get given them or you have to save up car boot sales, however it is, you just start collecting and start building up. And hopefully that, you know, in time that they survive, you buy decent materials, decent tools, they stay there and hopefully no one robs them or you, you look after them. And also, I mean, some of the bigger items that you need, like, you know, say, for example, like a mixer or a digger and everything. Mm. I know, actually, Jake, that's something that Travis do, isn't it? Is that you, you're involved with the tool hire side of things. You were, weren't you? Yeah. So uh, we were an established hire company now. So we hire anything from a cement mixer to a whacker plate all the way up to your 20 ton diggers. Um, obviously, as Carl's mentioned, it, it is a is a big expense to start off. Um, so we do we do get a lot of the, the newer builders that'll come and hire a mixer, just it's 20 quid a week or et cetera. Um, and that's a much more cost-effective way to get a couple of jobs rolling. They're going to build the capital up then. Um, there's also been experiences where the bigger firms, where they employ staff, they'll pay the, the, the lads a salary and then they'll give them a, I think it's called a tool allowance. So they'll pay, they'll have £100 a month on top of the salary and they can either build that money up and they buy their own tools to use on the jobs through the, via the company, which is a good a good aspect to that, I think, to the company. I think a lot of tradespeople like their own brand. It's, I think it's like they kind of favour a, a brand, a particular brand of something, isn't it? And I know this from my husband: is when something when he's gone when he's gone tool shopping and something news out, he'll come home with it, and it's like, whoa, look at this yeah. new toy. Like Trafford Centre <laughs> shopping. Yeah. For a lady. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. It is. It's a, yeah. and, and so he. Um, 
he actually came home with a coat. This is brilliant. This was last winter. Uh, and he'd gone and he'd bought loads of new kit, loads of, um, look, look at these, Sol, Sol, look at these. And Scott likes the display boxes that they come <laughs> and, and do you know what? His screwdrivers are fabulous, I must admit. You're not touching them. I'm not joking. I've got my own set of Allen keys in the house because I'm obsessed with Allen keys, right? So he's bought me a really cool multicoloured set of Allen keys that are mine, so I keep them to one side. But he came back, I think it was Milwaukee, all this really cool Milwaukee gear that he got. Um, because at one point we were buying it in the States whenever we were going to America because it was cheaper. No word of a lie, I'm sat on the plane on the way home on the overnight flight back to Manchester um, with like a floodlight in my overhead locker. Fl- two floodlights and three still saws or something stupid like that we had. We came back with loads of kit. But anyway, he's found a good supplier in the UK. He came back with this coat. I went, What's, what, what, where did you get that from? He goes, watch this. And in the pocket was a battery, like a pack, like a charger, but the same one. Have you seen, have you seen this, Jake? Yeah, I think it's heated jackets, isn't it? cool <laughs> jackets. Yeah, they're expensive. <laughs> Got this for free because how much I spent. He was so happy with himself. But it's the same charger. It weighs a ton yeah, that it can use on any of his tools as well. Like he can use it on the drill bit or the, the, um, uh, the screwdriver. And you basically just clip it into the jacket and your jacket's heated. Yeah. I mean, it's the heaviest coat in the world. Don't get me wrong. You get a sweat on just wearing it, quite frankly. But it is. I think there's something quite excited about getting new tools, isn't there? Yeah. Bit of a thrill, really. It's a bit of loyalty as well for the for the builders. Like they, they like sticking with Makita, or they stick with DeWalt, and they stick with Milwaukee. And them type of companies will, will do them deals in the future when they're buying bulk loads to the lads. It's a bit of a backup as well, isn't it? You yeah. know, if you've got all the same batteries for whatever company you make, then you can always move one battery out of one machine and another. If you've got all different, like DeWalt, Milwaukee, all different ones, and one battery goes, then you can't use that machine. So they, they tend to stick to the same brand and you've got all the batteries and chargers there that will roll all the way and keep your, your job going if you haven't got power to charge them up or generators and things like that, which then is an expense. Because oh, there's an awful lot of expense that goes into getting established within the trade, whether you are a plasterer, you're a roofer, you know, you not only do you have to get your tools, but you've got to get your workwear right as well. And that's one thing that we renew workwear constantly. Trousers are constantly getting ripped. Um, shirts, um, they just get destroyed, especially uh, when things are being carried, like bricks are being carried, or like if there's got some RSJs coming in, anything like that, you'll, a, a coat will get destroyed. Like a, a gilet, he bought this lovely gilet once and it just came back and went, I think I've had an accident in this. And the whole thing, had just, it, the, all the, it was a down one, so there's just feathers hanging everywhere. And I went, oh my God, they're in the van, aren't they? I'm going to have to hoover that out. So it is, it's almost like you've got to get your kit right as well. And I mean, footwear, I don't know whether you're a still toe cap guy, are you? You've got to be. Yeah, 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 yeah you've got to be outside. Yeah. Yeah. You as well, Jake, as well, whilst you're yeah. walking Travis around. Burke's are huge on that. So we, we every every customer, colleague, has to wear steel toe caps and high-vis in branch. So important, isn't it? And yeah. it's another thing you've got to invest. And I suppose it is an investment, really, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think you can actually go into a tip now without uh, to, to, to get rid of your salvage without wearing a high-vis, a hat and boots. So that they are actually stopping you from going in if you're not kitted out with the right stuff and that's just taking stuff out of your really? van or your trailer and things. So, yeah, they are getting very strict on different companies are wearing all this safety stuff, which is understandable because accidents can happen very, very easily. Oh, absolutely. Accidents can happen, but also like, with regards to your tools as well, I suppose you, you're laying out all this money on your tools and at the end of the day, they can even get stolen, which sounds awful, but oh, they can get nicked on site, especially yeah. if you're working... 
you know, in a residential area and you've got passers-by all the time, you leave something outside, it, it can be gone within seconds, can't it? Yeah. And that is a huge, you know, you see all the time horror stories about people having the vans broken into and so on and so forth, but not just that, it's tools getting stolen on site yeah. or by, and I hate to say it, by other tradesmen that are popping in that maybe, you know, not subcontracted to yourself. It, yeah. Anybody can take them, can't they? Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, tradesmen are not signing the vans up now because of that situation, you know. the It's very hard to take all them tools and machines out of the van at the end of the night and... It is a bit of a laziness sometimes. You think it's fine, but yeah, unless it's well guarded. I mean, they can't take your van away with most of the security they've got and obviously the keys, but they can bend your doors back and then they're in. If they know it's a builder's van, they're just going to pull it and just just have a go because to them, they'll just get rid of it on the market and you, you wake up in the morning and you've one lost out on day, days of working because you've got no tools and then you've got to go and either if you're not insured get more tools to, to back your work up. That's it, insurance. Mm. So is it a, a, are your tools insured as well as yourself? Because, uh, I mean, this is it with regards to insurance. I mean, it's something that as a self-employed person in the trade, mm. you've got liability insurance. Do you insure your tools? It, does it help to insure your tools as well? Is it beneficial? And I suppose these are questions that anybody who is thinking about, you know, going into the trade mm. or is already in the trade, maybe not insured at the moment, might be thinking, hang on a minute, is it going to work for me? Because mm. sometimes it can be pricey. Yeah, you've got the, all the public liability insurance and van insurance, but I must hold my hands up. No, I haven't got the tool insurance for the van, but I do make a special effort to take everything that's expensive out, anything that's kind of small gadgets, that roof repairs and things. I don't think they're looking at stealing that kind of stuff. They're, they're thinking of getting in, carrying off your big machines and then running off of it. So if the machines aren't there, it's mainly just the damage that's done to your van and then... Uh, you know, you can get back on your insurance. There is decent alarms out there now that, you you know, you can have sensors on them. So when it does open the inside of it, it screeches and it wakes everyone up, which then deters them and run, they run away. Mini diggers are supposed to be quite desirable, aren't yeah. they, within theft? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've, trackers uh, on them, but they still don't to get the trackers on That's up, it. Right? That's what exactly mm. the... This is our pillow talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, it's really raunchy in our house. Do you know all quick mini diggers are to Nick? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very romantic being together for 15 years, believe me. But it, it, my husband was saying how expensive mini diggers are, but yeah. they are one of the most stolen pieces of kit, aren't they? Yeah. Mini diggers, because yeah. they're, they're worth a fortune yeah, you go have two trackers on them or hire them and then obviously they, they've got their own systems to find them so with regards to health and safety as well you just mentioned it then it's the steel toe cap boots steel toe cap boots are an absolute must within travis and also with on site as yeah. well yeah. and then obviously that's to prevent accidents from happening yeah. but unfortunately accidents do happen mm-hmm. um and that is a nature of the trade as well um and it's not really an industry where you can go to hr is it so it's no. it's, it's something that i suppose it's something you've got to work through on site whether you're working it through with one of your subcontractors with one of the lads that's working for you or if it happens to you it's something that you again have got to deal with because if you've had an accident that can take you away from the business mm. that's money out of your pocket as of well course, yeah. is it something you've experienced Carl? Yeah there's there's accidents that happen all, all the time I mean not only just the steel cap boots is you've got like grinders kicking in you've got goggles that you should be wearing for your eyes because the most important thing is covering your eyes a thing that's going on now is obviously earmuffs you know you've got machines that are kicking out decibels that you don't really realize and people go oh, i can't be bothered wearing it i can't put I'm bothered putting a mask on with the dust and things or the, the goggles but yeah the decibels just torturing your ears and then you get tinnitus and things like that in the, in the future so it, there's there's quite a lot involved and i think the health and safety aspects of the they are kicking it in a bit more 
especially on your bigger sites. Yeah, well, plasterers, I know for a fact that plasterers can have such a bad time with their lungs, can't yeah. they? And it yeah. can be. And um, one thing that you know that can affect a lot of people in the trade, whether they're plasterers, they're roofers, is back pain as mm. well. And the amount of time, oh, don't be back. I, mm. I hear it all the time, but that's not necessarily an accident. That is literally just through yeah. physical graft. Um, and I suppose in the trade, you know for a fact you've got so many years on the tools, haven't you, really? Yeah, yeah. So a, I sp- a biggest thing is kind of, uh, I don't know if this is going to sound a bit vile, but athletes fought. Really? You like, you know, working boots, you have to wear them and there's ventilation, there's not too much in it. So you, you end up getting nail problems, athletes fought, and then it's very hard to keep battling it and battling it. I've been battling a nail fungus for years. Do you know what? I'm yeah. so glad that we had this conversation about footwear because mm. like you said then, it's got to be steel toe cap boots, but they've got to be comfortable and yeah. they've got to be durable, haven't they? Mm. And again, waterproof. yeah, waterproof. Yeah. Main factor. Yeah. So, I mean, you could down. be spending a hundred or so quid on your boots alone, couldn't you? Yeah. Maybe even more, but then they've only got so long to live, haven't they? Because the amount of, well, you know, the protection of the safety. If a grinder runs across your boots, then they've kind of just cut them and you're the getting new ones. Yeah. It's the difference between a cut and a, and yeah. a no foot. Yeah, it's it's unreal. I didn't even think about athlete's foot, you know. That's and bunions, I guess, as well. Because you know, if you're in big boots all day, um, I suppose your feet are going to rub as well. Bunions, blisters, the whole lot. Your back then, because obviously you're kind of walking with solid boots. You've got a lot of weight with them, and the outfits that you could be wearing as well, you know. So, oh yeah, bad backs is a big thing. Um, Shoulders for plasterers. I mean, plasterers have certain lifespans on doing their work. I've seen plasterers come and go because. They're constantly doing ceilings and the shoulders are very muscly, but then suddenly it's just they've worn them down like we all do. If you dig in every day, you're going to get that bad back sooner than anyone else. And if they're on stilts as well, plasters on stilts, yeah. that's that's a talent in itself. Mm, to be yeah. able to do that as a skill and actually walk on stilts at the same time yeah. and not trip over somebody's cat in the kitchen. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It is That's unreal. Trade talk. Powered by Travis Perkins. By the way, bad back, I recommend a Shakti mat, right? <laughs> You're probably going to think, what? And that's exactly what my husband went, don't buy me any of this weird stuff from Amazon that you get for yourself. But it's like a whole, it's called a prana mat. That's where it comes from. It's a prana mat and it's basically based on nails. So it's like lying on a bed of nails, okay. but it's like hundreds and hundreds of little plastic pinpricks and you lie on it and it's, it's basically like therapy for your back and it releases all the tension in your back. Now, the amount of lads who I recommended it to, and they've gone, and it's about 18 quid on Amazon, right? They're like, I'll oh, tell you what, your wife's Shakti mat's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I've not shared my mat. It's <laughs> <laughs> It's all right, my husband won't listen. <laughs> really haven't shared my mat. That is actually very unhygienic. That's worse than sharing your boots. But... I know it is. It's something that's very good. So have a yeah. look into it, Shakti oh, well. Matt. Yeah, I mean, it helps. Oh, the the accidents that my husband's had are unbelievable. A lot with his head. He's a he's got a bald head. He's not gone for his turkey hair yet. I don't think he will be going for his turkey hair either. <laughs> but he did say to me, "When you've lost your hair, you've got no warning that something's there." So he's like, when you're bald and you're on site and you've got to go under scaffolding, scaffolding, he's headbutted scaffolding so many times, oh, yeah. so many times he's headbutted scaffolding. Um, and he's done some absolute belters uh, to his head in the past. Uh, but I think one of the worst ones that he's ever done was, and this was on our own home, which I think a lot of tradesmen are like, I'm working on my own home, I could be a bit more relaxed, you know. He's on the old lean-to, which has got to get knocked down anyway, because that's like from the early 1900s. And he's putting in a window and he's got his spirit level with him, but the spirit level, the end of it, 
bit, the rubber bit on the end has come off. So as he slipped down the tiles, he's leant forward and headbutted the spirit level and it's just gone into his head, into his bald head and taken, like it's got, it's like kind of like engraved into his, into his skull. And I sort of came back home and I was like, oh, hello everybody, I've got you all a muffin in a Starbucks, hi. Oh my God. And I could just see blood pouring down his face and he's just wiped it away from his eyes just so he can still crack on with work because time's money, that's it. Time's money, you just got to crack on, you got to crack on. No, you need to go to the hospital. You need to go, no, I'm not going to. No, you need to go to the hospital and it's like, having an argument with an alpha male which and I'm trying to be the lioness and it's like you're going to the hospital <laughs> so in the end I ended up chucking him in the van took him to the hospital he moaned all the way there and then when we got there this very glamorous nurse came out and she went good Wallace and he went you can stay there and it's like oh, know my place <laughs> so that's fine went into triage yes he did have to have it stitched and they actually glued it back together because it's such fine skin there on the head so glued it back together uh, but before that he came out and as he's walking across the waiting room, he sat down next to me and they just put this huge pad on his head with just a bit of tape. And he sat down next to me and went, because of you, I'm sat here in public with a sanitary towel on my head. <laughs> <laughs> if you know my husband, that is not a good look. It's the new look. Yeah, but still, he had to have it glued back together. But these these are things that happen, aren't yeah, they? And I suppose when, you, when you're trying to get work done fast and you're trying to hit deadlines and everything, you can make these little mistakes. Yeah, safety as you can be on everything. You know, if you're on a roof working, you've got a scaffold so you're not going to kind of fall off uh, but still you are walking up roofs that are being built so we, we had a, an accident which was probably about 15 years ago where one of the lads was walking up the roof that didn't have the tiles on the roof but it had the felt which yeah. doesn't really stop you from falling through and the lats and the timber battens that you put on that hold the tiles on but as he's walking up one of the, the battens had like a knot in it so, you know, he's obviously stood on the knot. The knot's just broke. He's oh, just gone no. through. And he was like, you just seen a bit of a, a, a crash. He was he was okay, yeah. he hurt, but you just seen his little legs dangling <laughs> through the roof, you know. <laughs> and it was like, you know, how fast can you get up? So, you know, as much safety as you put onto these places, you have got to be really on the ball with what you're doing and slow down and just take your job as you go. You see, this is, um, this is where my... Um uh, just through experience, you can't afford to be clumsy on site, can you? No. It's something, you know, even though your boots are going to be bigger than ever, you cannot afford to yeah. be clumsy. And even though we're having a laugh now about health and safety, it is actually a priority. And I know for yourself, Jake, you're going to have certain um, restrictions in place as well, because obviously, you know, you're working for a, a company, yeah. you know, you're part of a bigger company. So I can only imagine that, especially when Travis are doing deliveries as well, yeah. I suppose their health and safety with a delivery in itself, it's got yeah. to it, you know, can only be sort of really by the book. You've got to be by the book, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. It's huge. Um, it's definitely something we strive and, and and want to achieve in, in health and safety. It's definitely something we do. I think there's so much I can go wrong on site. Our motto as we leave is PPE. So your boots, your hard hat are your last line. That's the way we look at things. You've got to put things in place before you rely on that PPE to stop accidents. So you've got to have the right health and safety training. You have the right people on site. You've got to have certain things in place so when some and touch wood, nothing does happen to anyone on site. But when it does, PPE is the last thing in line. On your side of it, I see it as well because sometimes we've been into builders' merchants and when you're busy or the lads are busy and they're dealing with other customers, then you get builders that just help themselves. Yeah. And I know they're not exactly. allowed to, where they're, they're kind of climbing up bricks <sighs> to get to something. Yeah. And if they have an accident, then it's all down to yourself. So you've Definitely. got to keep watching that, haven't you, yeah. really? that Definitely. They don't do it. I mean, I've been sold off many a times where you can't yeah. just get it now. You've yeah. just got to wait for 
us and we'll pass it down or use the forklift yeah. trucks to get it, which yeah. is then the safety aspect of it. Well, so that's massive. a challenge for you as well then, Jake, because you're going to have, and you know, builders that are in a rush, not necessarily, but like lads that are coming in, they're in a rush, they're trying to stick to deadlines, but at the same time, you've got to stick by your rules. Because like like Carl just said, if there's an accident, it falls on your shoulders, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so a prime example of that is builders putting stuff on the van's roof. So when they're putting plywood up, they're putting lengths of timber on the van racks on the top of the roofs. Um, 99% of them will, will want to stand on the roof to strap it down. So we have things in place that we push and push and push and push, but there's only so many times you can tell customers. Um, so we have platforms that we can wheel next to the vans. We provide them. They don't cost a builder, the customer to use anything at all. We'll happily, or one of our lads will use it for them. And it gives them like an elevation then to step up to the level of the roof of the van in a safe environment to strap the material down. Um, so we try and minimise everything as possible. Talking about health and safety, and this is this is interesting from you know the trades perspective. Is when you're working on a client's house, you're obviously trying to be stick by you know your own rules of health and safety. What is deemed as being health and safety as well? But there are those certain clients and customers who are oh don't bother, oh can you not put the scaffolding up because it won't look nice yeah. on the house. Yeah. That must be such a challenge to have to battle with that customer yeah. and I know because of, from experience that my husband's had where people have not wanted scaffolding around the house I mean how could I mean that is just ridiculous yeah. that is ridiculous it won't look nice um, or they've not wanted you to use the front door they've wanted you to climb the scaffolding at the back of the house to come in through a window um, all of these things to try and keep the customer happy I mean at what point do you just say no yeah you've got to be strict with it they're just trying to save money on certain things and you do get the odd you see people just climbing up things and you're looking at them and you're going oh why are you even doing that but you know just to save them a few hundred pound on a scaffold it's just not worth it because if you fall off that's it no the customer's not going to look after you they're not going to pay you for anything you might get a phone call how are you doing if you're out for six months that's that's you, you, you you're out you're, you're out really aren't you to earn any money so yeah, it is a big thing. I must I must admit, uh, once or twice I have put things on the roof rack and forgot that side of them. And I remember coming from Stockport to sale once, and then I realised that I hadn't tied my ladders on. And luckily enough, the law of gravity actually oh, kept them on up. there. Oh. It was a bit of a tickler at the time, yeah. but yeah, I have shameful done it myself. Thank God for a non-windy day for yes. once. Which it's you know it is with 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 customers as well. Have you ever had those moments where? you've actually decided not to. And this is interesting because it's almost like, uh, and we have touched upon this actually in episode one, it's like sometimes builders get a bad reputation, but actually there can be those customers where you just don't want to work for them. Mm -hmm. There can be those ones where you think, and I suppose this comes with experience for anybody in the trade where you get to the point where you think, are they going to pay me on time or shall I just decline now? Because you think it's going to be a whole barrel of, you know, it's just not going to work out. And so have you had an incident where you've just thought, you know what, this is just not going to happen? You tend to know the customer as soon as they're speaking to you over the phone of what they're after, whether they're after just a price, but they've already got 10,000 prices or they've not even bought the building yet and they're just going through estate agents, but they want a price. And that takes your time out really as well, because obviously you're spending your time to go and see it. It could be half a day, but you yeah, you know you're not going to get the job so you tend to learn uh, what's what and then people might just say listen i've got a roof job but i don't want to spend a fortune on it and you're thinking well there's only one way you can go with it really and that's the price <laughs> yeah you know? so you, you get little hints of what the, the they're asking for what they're trying to do if they're trying to save money but no 
it's it's not for us we we do decline it yeah yeah do, do you know the one thing that um i know is also quite popular the trade is a lot of lads won't go and fix someone else's work mm. and and this is something that uh and i don't i honestly i i totally get this and i don't i don't blame them yeah. um where a customer for example has gone with somebody because they were cheaper hadn't had the job done to them, what they expected or it's not been finished mm. and then given you a call as somebody in the trade and asked you to come and finish someone else's work. Yeah, recently we had the same thing. We had a, a friend down the road. I, I don't know why he didn't actually phone me when he was having it done, but it was his parents' house and it was a good size house um, and they spent with a company £25,000 to get their <laughs> roof done and uh, they thought by going for the mid-range price they'll be pretty safe by going with a company that was had a big shop front and it looked well and the big brochure was there and everything. But no, they they just cheaply done the job. It leaked. It, they've just got to have it done again. So however they go on with court, I'm not too sure. But yeah, there there is a lot. It doesn't really matter of what you see as a brochure. It, you've just still got to be careful, get stage payments, make sure you hold a little bit until the end, until you've been passed, whether it's a building inspector that's passing it, even speak to the building inspector and say how, you know, be there at the time whenever they're visiting and speak to him because he'll never say anything different. He he won't say that, you know, I won't get the bricklayer to build my dog kennel. He won't kind of look on the standard of the, the pointing or anything, but if there's something wrong, they will pinpoint it up. If it's not to building regs, they will bring it up and they'll make you do it because they have the final say in the end of what what the builder has to do and what the customer has to do. The building inspector, I'll tell you, building inspector advertising and marketing for builders is something that we're going to touch upon in episode three because we could honestly go on about those in great, great detail. Thank you so much for listening today to Trade Talk. Thank you to Carl. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Jake. Thanks again, Sally. Make sure that you're listening for episode three. Like I said, we're going to be touching on advertising and marketing. How do you actually promote your business? Uh, rainy day weather, which can affect nearly everyone in the trade. And one of the most popular subjects, the van, the actual van. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And we'll see you very soon. Trade Talk, powered by Travis Perkins.